Today, on When the Street Lights Come On, the podcast, we are going to explore the concept model minority. Simply put, it's the ideal perception that a particular minority demographic is better positioned socially and economically through perceived hard work or embedded values. Here to dive into this concept are two individuals who have a unique perspective as it relates to this topic. Come on inside. I haven't really heard this term used frequently, but I have heard of this term it just in various conversations. Um, is For either of you, have you ever heard of the term model minority or... Um, it was something that I think finally had a formal name for me in the last month or so. Uh, it's always been around, but it's something that I actually was able to say that this is what it was called recently. And how did that come about? Um, I think it came about because I started paying more attention, I guess, to the social climate. Uh, in the very least of recent events, even though it's been something that I've monitored or uh, paid mind to, it wasn't really something that I really investigated or did research on. And it was kind of me spending time uh, trying to inform myself a little bit better that I first stumbled across it. Okay. And what about you, Byron? Um, I guess I've just never known that it was a... Like there was a specific term for it, but as as I'm sure we'll get into in like throughout the conversation, it is something that's like growing up as a a non-black minority in America. There's certain things that like culturally you're kind of taught and told, and it's it's kind of shaping you to be that model minority without putting a label on it. If that makes sense. No, that definitely makes sense because I think for me, being from the uh, black community, just growing up, I think there wasn't a direct emphasis on other minorities being a model minority. But I think sometimes we, I don't know if it was, it's just a inferiority thing, but you you look at those individuals as being, I guess, more successful or, you know, just attributing things to certain groups that emphasize certain things like success. Um, and from the community I grew up in, um, I guess when individuals from either like, you know, Asia or Southeast Asia or Arab countries, when they own probably the properties or the uh, stores or the most places where most African-Americans frequent, it became associated to like success and wealth. Um, So, yeah. No, I mean, I, I definitely agree, but it's, it's, it all comes down to how you define success or what you think success means. Is success fitting in? Is it, is it being wealthy? Is it being financially stable? Or is it just not being on the radar of people who are potentially out to get you, you know? Well, I think overall, it was, it's more so like 
so I think the 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 the, the term part like in it within itself is just the perception part of it. Um, so just seeing like certain individuals in certain positions just created this perception of success, I guess, in a sense, whether that they were successful or not, because they could have filed bankruptcy several times, but just the perception of a store owner or clerk looking away just provided that. Yeah, I can see that. I think for me, I, the model minority, that's, that's something that I struggled with, uh, for years or my whole life really. And I didn't really have a name for it or what that really meant for a person with my experience or my background versus someone like Eric Yu that's coming from a different background. Um, for me, it's, and this is a bit unfortunate on my part, but it wasn't really something that I viewed how it impacted other people. Uh, like the my adult, uh, model of minority is something that a lot of people use to compare one group of people over the other. Uh, why can't this community be more like this community? And for me, a more selfish background with it, it was something that I struggled with in terms of an identity. Uh, my background, my, my dad's Mexican, my mom's Filipino. Uh, I didn't really feel like I fit in, but for whatever reason, when it came to meeting a specific stereotype, I was always like qualified or evaluated against in this model minority piece. It's like, why weren't you more successful at this? Or why didn't you look a certain way? It, it was more of a selfish piece, um, but that's kind of the experience that I had with it growing up in the very least. So did you feel as though you didn't fit the attributes or were you like an outlier or were you saying that was your perception of, of others as far as? I, I felt like an outsider. Um, I personally don't feel like I look very Filipino, but that's when outside of like filling out on the scantrons, my identity I felt like was more Asian. And that's because of what I was, what I felt like that was expected from me. Um, it was expected for me to kind of honor the Filipino side, and I never really digested why or dissected that. The only time that I really related to my my father's side was, again, that Scantron, because on that Scantron, it's always um, fill out your ethnicity, except uh, it's always like Asian, but not Hispanic. And for me, it was like, well, I am. That's part of me. And I always had to fill out that, that last bubble, which was the Hispanic side. Um, but going back to being the, to fitting the Asian stereotype, I don't know, I, I always felt like an outsider. And maybe that's because I don't feel like I look very Asian. Uh, maybe it's because I don't think I was as successful as others or my peers or immediate friend circle. I'm not sure, but I know that's, and maybe it has to do with me being raised by my mom for the majority of my childhood. But see, that, that statement that you just said, that's kind of like you're comparing yourself to other Asians using the same standard that, you know, everyone else does against you. Um, when you were saying, like, maybe it's because I don't fit in with other Asians, but like, 
why are we why are we even defining what an ethnicity fits into or why are we boxing people you know if, i mean something like that where it's like it's not overt it's just like it's very subliminal um but why do we even have these boxes where we delineate other minorities from each other instead of just acknowledging that we are just all minorities yeah i mean I granted think... granted there are sorry to cut you off but granted there are specific things like like black lives matter and stuff where that's that's specifically pointed because um of police harassment and murders of of black people specifically but outside of that minorities should not be in my opinion should not be necessarily separating themselves from each other to that extent and Byron, I, I know I agree with that. I think um, just, I think being that we are like together, as far as minorities together, we don't even represent an equal footing to, I guess, the, you know, Caucasian or white Americans, if we're, if we're speaking specifically to uh, the U.S. Um, but I also believe that uh, white Americans or white America like to use or emphasize this whole perception or idea of my um, model minority to basically, I wouldn't say drive a wedge between different uh, minority groups. I believe it's used to kind of um, ignore the argument or like find an argument to why African-Americans can overcome racism in a sense. So it's basically like, okay, so we attribute hard work and uh, all these values to these other minorities, whether that be Southeast Asians or Asians, Americans. So it's just like, if you model yourselves after these individuals, you like racism isn't a thing at that point because they can do it and then so can you, I guess, in a sense. Can you clarify that for me, Eric? Did you say that you don't think that the model minority myth like doesn't? You said it doesn't drive a wedge between minority groups? I know I don't think it should, but I think okay. white America like I don't think that we between each other, you know, use it to drive a wedge. I think it it could just from either miseducation or just I think well from, I from the yeah, I have to disagree with that. I think it does. And I agree with you that it shouldn't, but current day, it totally does. But is, is it being used as a weapon or weaponized by the majority? Or do you think it's I think the case for people who do find themselves to be my model minorities? I think at this point, it's just so pervasive that even though it, maybe it was started by the majority as a means to separate us even further but now it's just like it's it's so pervasive in the in the american culture that it it's it's really something like we have to work to overcome at this point i mean like kind of like what you were saying with when you were growing up with like um you know indian or asian store owners and stuff maybe you didn't necessarily maybe somebody didn't straight up tell you like, oh, that person is more successful and you should be like them. But you just kind of gathered that from your own experiences from, you know, dealing with your own community and your own friends. And you know what I mean? Yeah, because I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about representation, right? So if 
most of the ownership, and that's just this is. I mean, you can talk about this just on a bigger scale outside of just the community level, where, of course, where like you don't see yourself being represented in whatever institution or that it, it is that you feel as though you aren't as one successful or as relevant or you know you're you're you have a left like your your presence i guess as far as either what culturally or economically is different yeah well how do you think we we solve that how do you think that do you think that being that there is a place in society for a model minority in the sense that there's something that we should be striving for? Or do you think, you know, like how, how do we remedy this for, for the future generations? Well, if I, if I was to give my personal opinion, I think that there are model minorities between us. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think there are model minorities within the Asian community, the black community, et cetera. I just think the way that this term has been defined just probably universally or just here in the U.S. Has, Especially in the last four been, years. Yeah, has been aimed at Asian Americans or Southeast Asian Americans more so than just minorities in general. But I do think there's models within each community. So like I mentioned before, I just think that this term still holds weight because it's a way for white Americans to justify their willingness to ignore racial tensions or uh, divides in this country. Well, following up on that, Eric, did you, should we start with where it came from? Where the model minority myth came from? If you would like, to, were you going to provide some type of like background to it, or? Um, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the history uh, a bit because I think that's one of the things that, and I by no means claim to be an expert. It's still something that I'm learning about, um, but I think it gives some insight exactly what the model minority myth is in its current form or its most known form. I, I agree. Uh, with you and when you said that there is this kind of that use of it in all uh, different groups but in general the model minority myth was something that started uh, post-world war ii when um, americans wanted to jump on some of the publicity work that uh, asian leaders were doing um, of course as you know like we had the a lot of resentment towards Asians early on in the American history. And so there was some efforts from some community leaders to better, I guess, market the community for acceptance. And what ultimately happened is white Americans saw this and they took advantage of that. And they began exploiting it for the purpose of saying, if this minority group can achieve success, then shame on any other minority group that cannot, even though 
there's so many systematic uh, policies and uh, structures set in place to prevent other minorities from achieving that success. So I feel like the model minority has largely been used um, and it's most pervasive in the Asian community because it's been used for qualifying success of the minority through through what Asians have been allowed to achieve. Not saying that all success, like there's definitely people of all groups that have been able to achieve success despite the odds, but ultimately that's, that's what we're talking about today. It's how one group is being pitted against another group and that the black community is being blamed for not achieving success, even though it's not due to their own fault. And that's a good point, because when you say basically put it against, I think that this, this whole idea of model minority is basically the response to just black or Asian labor being a threat to the white working class just historically, especially after like, uh, you know, the whole transcontinental railroad and then mm -hmm. the whole, uh, what is the uh, Chinese exclusion act? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which was our response to the uh, white working class being feeling threatened by the presence of, um, you know, black labor, black labor and Asian force. Yeah. So just going back just, you know, years ago when you guys were growing up, um, were there any conversations, uh, I guess, where your family, your parents either discussed like the state of your own personal community or just the communities as a whole? Like was, because I think, Byron had mentioned, you know, growing up, people have their own stereotypes of, you know, different uh, groups. Was there a conversation? Because I know I had a conversation with a friend from Ghana um, back in college where her parents used to always tell her that, um, you know, certain groups uh, here in the States, more specifically, um, African-Americans were, you know, lazy or... You know, everything was associated to basically like a hip hop video, it sounded like. Um, so was there any conversations where when you guys were growing up um, that those stereotypes were kind of either reinforced or emphasized? Whether that be conversations or just personal experience? Uh, definitely from, from my experience. Uh, my... It's, it's weird to kind of talk about it, but uh, it's something that needs to be t spoken about. So my mom, um, she kind of fell victim to just the general ignorance of what uh, she was just accepting as a social norm. She would, <laughs> it's sad and it, it definitely, 
I realized that it shaped some of my uh, early on choices. Thankfully, it wasn't something uh, that I abided by uh, as I grew up and understood a bit more, mainly because I formed my own opinions from my own experiences. But my mom, when we were younger, she would say things like, uh, the, the blacks are lazy. That's why they don't have this, or that's why they don't have that. And it's, it's kind of sad because not even kind of, it is sad. Uh, but yeah, it's weird it's kind of your reflecting perception. on that. Mm-hmm. It's like shaping your opinion on, on somebody before you can even draw your own conclusions. Yeah. And for better or worse, I, w- I became pretty willful in my own personal opinion, even though I didn't really express it to my mom. My mom kind of fell in the bracket of the, uh, a bit of the, I wouldn't say tiger mom, but she definitely embraced the strictness of what was considered normal for the Asian community. She... So do you feel like she leveraged that overall perception, I guess? Yeah, I I would say that. I think she she grew up in a specific household um, that was just, well, background of my mom. She, she was born in the Philippines, moved to the States uh, when she married my dad, uh, and all of her brothers and sisters, they again, born in the Philippines, and they were used to uh, living in poverty. And I think she fell victim to the success of she worked hard. So she was like, she was more successful than others. And by all means, my mom worked hard uh, to get what she had achieved at that point. But I think she allowed that success, that comparative success to handicap her or at least let her empower those kind of social norms where this minority group or the black community was not achieving as much success because they weren't doing this or that. Or if they just were more of this and less of their own identity, then they would be better off. Now I have a, I have a, I guess a conclusion or I don't know what you would call it, but a, a theory. There we go. A theory on why that is even a thing. So um, I think in Asian communities, uh, especially first generation Asian communities, it's like that concept that you just mentioned is it's unspoken and it's everywhere because um, when our parents as immigrants come to America, they see their background of, you know, living in a third world country and walking miles in jungle to get to your education. And then they come to America and they think that all opportunities are equal. So it's a little bit of ignorance based on that because they can say, well, I came up from this. How come people in America who have these, who have endless opportunity are not achieving the same, but that's ignorant to think because everyone in America is not equal and we're not on the same footing. So the opportunities are not endless. So I think that's why in, in, especially in first generation communities, it's so like that thought is, is so strong because it's like, well, I mean, yeah, I went to school since, you know, like, you know, I graduated college at like 20 or whatever. And I've, I've been a doctor since X number of years, but so the come up is, is 
like the trajectory of the come up is much bigger, but they're not taking into consideration the factors in America. So let me ask this, this, this let me ask this question about, you know, you had mentioned, uh, you know, first generation. I know like growing up, my dad used to always question how was it that uh, like that these immigrants from said countries could come to the States and acquire what he perceived to be success, whether that, cause my dad was a, you know, he was a, a entrepreneur at heart. Um, so when, when he's seen that other minorities were able to obtain the success that he himself couldn't, um, he always questioned how they were able to obtain the resources in a sense um, or the funds or like, how were they able to get to this point if black Americans have been in this country for so long and have not achieved that type of level of success um, as he defined it. Um, So um, just a a question to either of you uh, being that a lot of people, you know, or just parents are first generation did they come to this country with resources or did they like Myla's mother work hard towards what she has today? I think think, I'm going to, Oh, go ahead, Byron. Oh, I was going to say, I think it's kind of a twofold thing there. It's, it's the fact that black Americans in this country are so disenfranchised that like it's, it's unbelievable how disenfranchised somebody growing up in a poor community here in America can ever hope to achieve anything outside of, you know, something of a miracle. Um, yeah. But... I... Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I don't, I, I want you to finish that thought, Byron, but I just wanted to comment that the, what you were speaking to Eric uh, how certain groups were able to, or are able to, in quote, more easily achieve success versus um, others, even though they are of the same community. That's actually by design. Again, I, I claim to be no ex- expert in this, and this is something that I've, I'm still reading up and investigating myself. But we, with the, when we say that Asians are the model minority and they're more successful, that's actually just ignoring how many different groups of Asians there are and the fact that not all Asians were allowed that kind of success. It's all by choice. Um, And that choice was made by people of power, which is a white American, the white male, largely. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that, absolutely. Like, the fact that Filipinos are lumped in the same bracket with, like, Chinese kids, it, it doesn't make much sense when you take a look at things culturally or even things, like, heritage-wise. Like, um, like the only reason that Mylan and I are even here in this country is because our one of our parents was in the armed forces. I mean, my dad didn't even get citizenship until after my sister, who's four years older than me, was born. So he could have died for this country and not even been an American citizen. And it, it's like, that's stuff like that. 
other minorities, so like his siblings and and um, everyone else who follows after that those footsteps, they don't understand that part of it, that struggle. So like he his siblings and he disagree on things because they didn't have to to you know go through that whole process. So let me let me let's segue to this. Okay, so being that we kind of discussed the whole idea of model minority, right? And how it's attributed mostly to Asian Americans or, you know, Southeast Asian Americans. Um, I'm also no expert in this, but just like what I see on TV or just around me, there's a low political presence from Asian Americans, right? Uh-huh. So it's like you attribute you you well white Americans like to pass these white attributes on Asian Americans in a sense. And I don't know if that's to form some type of alliance to the further that racial divide. Um but it it always like made me wonder how is it that a group can have so many positive attributes to it, but yet yield less presence when it comes to either politics or just any um I guess a voice, I guess, you know, especially with all the stuff going on today, um, most of the talking heads are either white or black, honestly. I mean, you have a few um, Hispanic Americans in that. Um, Well, I think it's chalked up to the whole, this is a very, it's potentially a gross summarization or adding too much brevity to it, but the whole, if it's not broken, don't bother trying to fix it the Asian community has benefited from kind of just sitting in the background and not necessarily being involved. They are used to say that this is what a minority person or a person of color can achieve. um, And they've been allowed that level of success. And because they have that, there's not much complaint from the community as a whole. But what we don't realize is we very well, like, we could switch places and... We could be next. Yeah. So so do you think it's that that feeling of out of mind, out of sight, out of sight, out of mind? It's kind of like, you know, we're not experiencing the, the hate. So let's just stand to the side. Let that occur. Well, it's kind not of... That, mm-hmm. It kind of goes back to what we mentioned before, where it goes, it comes from the upbringing. Like if we're told, like, in in not so many words, like, this is what you need to do to be success. This is what success looks like. And all of the things that you describe, all of the professions you describe, we typically see white people filling. It's like, well, that's the side, <clears throat> excuse me, that's the side that you want to be on. So why be part of the resistance you know what I mean so and I, I don't want to I want to make sure that I, I say that 
Asian Americans have not faced any kind of racial injustice, like the oh, Japanese oh, internment camps. Concentration camps. Yeah, that's Asians have um, dealt with racial injustice from the well, from the white American. That was early on. There was there's been an immigration uh, help me with the word. There's there's been efforts to halt immigration or only allow certain types of immigration. There's been efforts like the again, the concentration camps. There has been injustice on that, but I think we're currently in a in a time in society where Asians have been afforded the luxury and the privilege to not need to say anything. And I think that's the difference. Maybe it's not a matter of um, them not wanting. So it's not necessarily a thing of not wanting, but the, the mere fact that you haven't needed to say anything is a privilege. And that's something that I think a lot of people that stay silent, forget. Which is why it's so important to be involved in politics and follow politics, even if you're, even as an Asian American, or even though you're not a target now, as we kind of touched on before, we could be a target. I mean, this whole coronavirus thing is bringing out a new hatred for Asian Americans just because we're Asian. Yeah. And stuff like that could extend to other areas. And this is just like an inkling of, of the type of hate that Black Americans have been dealing with. So if we don't mobilize and if we don't get involved now, it can only ramp up and the hatred can only get worse. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, we, cause we, we all recall the same type of hatred around 9-11 when Muslim Americans or Arab Americans were facing that similar, like, like either one discrimination or some type of prejudice mm -hmm. just as a reaction to something occurring here in this country when it, but if it's perpetrated by a white American, the response isn't the same. Yeah. It becomes the, like the, the foreign threat or the outside threat to the status quo in a sense. Yeah, and I think that's also something like I, uh, something that I try to, a work exercise that I do um, when we're evaluating something and we try, if we ever say, well, that's the normal or that's just the expected behavior, I, I ask why. And that's something that I don't, I think we could all do uh, today. Well, it's normal for white Americans to have more success, but why? Well, let's go trace the history of it. Oh, there's been, it's been enabled systematically through the institutions, through the policies, through the people in power. Like, the media. Exactly. And it all comes down to just understanding how these social norms became the norms. And I think that's something that everybody can benefit from better understanding. Uh, the victor gets to write the history. There's there's so much more information out there that would help, I guess, enlighten as to why things are today.
So do you think as it relates to this topic, uh, is there any room or opportunity to remove that perception? Is there any room for it to be just people of color or will there always be just some internal division, whether that's perpetrated by white Americans, the media, politics, et cetera? I think that internal division is not necessarily a bad thing. It's how it's perpetrated. Um, but I think internal division in today's society and culture is needed because of things like BLM that need our attention. We can't, like, I think by by ignoring that and just saying, okay, well, we can just move to everyone being a minority or a person of color, then we we kind of are giving up that fight for Black Lives Matter. And we're kind of conceding that all lives matter sort of thing. So are you speaking to like just all minorities or minorities to include the majority? Um, all minorities in general right now. Like, okay. I think that we, it, yes, I can kind of see both sides, but I think that right now we need the, to understand the differences and we should just not hate each other for our differences. There's a difference between understanding that there's a that a difference exists and using that difference as leverage against another person. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, that's good. That's a very good way of putting Byron. Did anybody else have any other closing remarks? Um. I don't know. I, something that I told myself and just general advice, take the time to ask why. Um, something that, because if I go back to when I first learned about model minority, uh, it was a social media post and they said that why it's a bad thing. And I was like, I don't understand. Um, and if I didn't take the time to ask why, I wouldn't really understand more about myself. Um, I wouldn't have more of the context to digest some of the past experiences that I have. Uh, for better or worse, I'm I'm a little oblivious as a person. And until I have like the context, it's hard for me to really understand the meaning behind interactions that have happened. So I don't know. My, my general advice is just spend time investigating why. Because it helped me understand the struggles of others, but also helped me understand myself a bit better. And I think it's important to understand that no one is on the sidelines in society. Like no people may not be an active player on the field, but nobody can say that they are absolutely on the sidelines and nothing ever affects them. Just because something is not affecting them in the moment um, doesn't mean that it can't in the future and doesn't mean that we can that we should ignore the people that it is affecting. Like I feel I think that minorities should understand that we as the minority can rely and should rely on each other when we are faced by opposition from the majority. Agreed. Well, I thank you both for uh joining me this week. Um Yeah. So in closing, uh I'm just thank you everybody who's 
going to tune into this episode. If you have any comments, anything to add to this conversation, please do so. And I'm sure you're going to be seeing more of these two in the future and on future episodes. So thank you again. Yep, of course. So this sums up this week's episode when the streetlights come on the podcast. Please remember to make us a part of your weekly routine so we can make you a part of ours. Continue to like, share, comment wherever you may find this podcast. Remember, stay lit and stay lifted.